Welcome to this weekend episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Kyle, and along with my good friends and colleagues, Reese and Armando, we'll be breaking down anything and everything regarding Royals, Chiefs, and Sporting Kansas City. Today, we turn to a recap and analysis of Sporting's group match against Colorado Rapids, a match which turned out to be the definition of snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, or at the very least, from the jaws of demoralization and underachievement. But first, Armando, I understand you have a Colorado Rapids-adjacent story for us. Go ahead. Oh, I sure do. But first, let me let me crack open this beer real quick. Ah, nice. Crispy Pilsner on a crispy... Actually, I won't say what day it is, so it's like we like just did an instant reaction. Where's the pills from? Oh, you know where it's from, baby. You know where it's from. No, is it the Bierstadt collab? You know, dude. Oh, that... Yeah, Bierstadt Boulevard collab for our viewers. Uh, it went pretty fast. Like, I'm sure you guys don't even have any left in Kansas City. Um, and it's actually all gone in Denver as well. But I was doing a beer run in Colorado Springs, and just randomly, this this one liquor store had like seven cases of it. And I was like, oh what gosh. the hell? And they were like, yeah, I guess I guess we got the like last shipment. And I was like, okay, I will take a case. Dude, for real, that beer is a friend of the podcast. Oh, it's so good, yeah. No, we totally have to have someone on from Bierstadt to talk about it, and Boulevard, too. Yeah. Because it's actually really interesting how they, like, make the beer. But I digress. Let's go to the fun story. Uh, so, when I first moved to Colorado, I didn't have a job or anything, so I was temping. And one of the uh, temp jobs I had to do was to be a parking assistant for the Fish concert happening uh, where the Colorado Rapids play at their at their stadium. Uh, so I was a parking attendant in the morning and my only job was to not let people in to the parking lot because the concert didn't start to like three, but if you guys don't know fish fans, f- not friends of the podcast, fish fans, by the way, just going to throw that out there. I had to refuse them entrance from like 6am to, to right at three when they started opening the doors up. Um, but during that time, I didn't know that the Colorado Rapids had a practice in the morning. Um, so I was refusing entrance to everyone and this dude drives up and goes, Hey, I uh, need to get through. And I'm like, sorry, I can't let anybody in. He was like, no, like I I work here. I need to get through. And I was like, no, I like really can't let anyone in. He's like, no, I'm a, I'm a soccer player on the Colorado Rapids. Like I have practice. I'm already late. And I was like, Oh, okay, hold on. So then I like, I like walkied my, uh, my uh, manager at the time. And I was like, Hey, there's, there's a Rapids player. Like he, he needs to go through. Is it cool to let him in? And, and he went, and my manager was like, no, we can't let anybody in. <laughs> so really? Yeah. So I had to tell this guy that he had to park at like a completely different area because the, the uh, players had like lot, I don't know, lot A, let's say, I don't remember, but, but they couldn't park there. And apparently they had emailed all the players and this player who I found out later was Courtney Ford, uh, who actually didn't play in yesterday's game. Um, he, he didn't look at his email. So he was like super at me. And then he just drove off and found parking somewhere else. And then after he left, I was like, go sporty. (laughs) And that player was Tim Howard. (laughs) I know. I wish it was Tim Howard. I mean, that's probably the only player would have known. Dude, what kind of car was he driving? Uh... I don't remember because it was like literally in August, but it was not anything memorable. Like, if anything, it was maybe like an older version, like of like a Land Rover, <laughs> but it wasn't like a Porsche or anything. 
But uh, but yeah, that was that was the time where I blocked a Colorado Rapids player. Boom! Dang, dude! A, a friend of the podcast, Armando Contreras, blocking Colorado Rapids players from entering the uh, Fish Concert parking lot. And let us <laughs> say you blocked him better than Tim Melia two games ago. And sometimes better than Sanchez, which we'll talk about right now. (laughs) What do you mean sometimes? (laughs) Well, um, so thank you for that story, Armando. I want to give a quick shout out to Denver band Brothers of Brass, who is a friend of the podcast, and they often play uh, like the letouts of fish concerts. So they'll play like, you know, outside Madison Square Garden or like playing the parking lot of fish concerts for people coming out. Wait, are you serious? They are a friend of the podcast. Yeah. They're like a. but does Denver Brass love fish? Oh, I mean, you'd have to ask them. I think uh, they probably <laughs> love the fans. JK, no, no matter what, we love Denver Brass. I'll be honest, I do enjoy me some, some good fish on, like, a Friday evening in February. That just sounds good. Reese. That sounds terrible, Reese. Reese, we have to do, like, a whole different podcast about how terrible my experience was with all the fish fans. We well, have to that, do an that... intervention for your fish obsession. I'm sorry. That's a that's a Lent joke that apparently just went over everybody's head. So. Oh <laughs> no, Armando, Reese. you're Catholic. <laughs> Dang it! I'm pretty sure I'm, I just redlined my mic in reaction to that. Wow. Yeah. Great. Okay. But also, Reese, you like also would listen to fish. <laughs> uh, so pre-match, coming off our Minnesota United debacle. Our main changes uh, for Sporting Kansas City were Johnny Russell starting in place of Gerso, which we had basically expected from the beginning. This was sort of what the lineup was going to be all along, um, plus Richard Sanchez in goal in place of the red card in Tim Melia. Quite a few more changes for Colorado. They had five changes to their lineup since their 2-0 defeat to Rail Salt Lake, uh, but the biggest news in that department was a shakeup in using Kai Kamara off the bench. As a, as a late-game weapon instead of a starter, plus William Yarbrough starting in goal instead of Clint Irwin, who suffered an injury, um, I believe, during their previous game and just uh, basically hadn't shaken it off by, uh, by, by, by match time. My question for you guys is, how, how much do these changes on paper really affect you know, our chances going into this match? How, how much does this really matter? Um, I don't know on paper necessarily, but I actually thought Yart... Yarbrough played really well. Like, we just had some amazing goals, but I was very impressed throughout seeing Yarbrough play. And then I'm a little suspicious about Kai Kamara coming off the bench. It would have been interesting to see him play at the start. Um, but I'm going to say on, on paper, it, it shouldn't have mattered. It, it, was, uh, it was still a pretty fair game, I felt. Yeah, I think we're having a hard time building chemistry right now. Uh, I think it shows that we came out really flat-footed at the beginning of the game. You know, we were sloppy. We weren't hitting passes. I mean, they scored in the first 10 minutes. It wasn't until about the 17th minute it really seemed like we got the feet under us and started gaining some traction. I've been reading reports a lot of it has to do with the fact that one of our players was diagnosed with COVID, so who was and who wasn't allowed to work out together. You know, they had to do it in kind of rotating groups. It was very difficult. Vermese wasn't happy with it, and subsequently it's been really difficult to build team chemistry. That's a great point, and and, and honestly what you just referenced, i.e. the first 10 minutes featuring easy possession for Colorado, a mix of lack of on-ball pressure in our half and also overplaying the ball when we do put pressure on. Just, I mean, it resulted in multiple defensive breakdowns in the first 10 minutes. And honestly, it was an impressive goal, but frankly, an, an, an easy goal in the sixth minute from Kellen Acosta. And it, we, we looked uneasy and panicky 
Reese, uh, you actually p- brought up a good point about the COVID stuff. Remember in the first podcast we had talked about John Polskamp? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, there are now uh, not official reports, but they've basically narrowed it down that it's probably John Polskamp that is the one that had COVID, of which is very interesting uh, because you had mentioned, like, I hope Polskamp comes in to maybe replace Sanchez. And that that could have been a reason why he didn't do it, or or maybe Vermees was thinking about it, but he can't because of COVID. I'd buy that take. I'd buy that take twice on Sunday. I mean, we haven't heard a lick about John Polskamp. Uh, Sanchez struggled throughout the entirety of the game, so you know, no one even mentioned. Let's bring in that you know young third string keeper. So if he's the guy that has COVID, you know, I would not be shocked. Let's talk a little bit about the refereeing of this game, which. Uh, for better or for worse, really possibly for worse, is going to be a big headline in this match. I mean, it's definitely all over the Denver news and the Colorado side of things. Obviously, they're very unhappy with how this game was refereed. Um, But honestly, I mean, we we saw two yellow cards towards the beginning of the game for Diego Rubio and Nicolas Benizé at 22nd minute minute and 43rd minute, and another for Gadikinda in stoppage time in the first half. But, I mean, we saw from even the first three minutes of the game that David Gantar was going to let them play. Yeah, it was crazy. It was it was like a like a, like a 90s playoff like NBA basketball <laughs> game and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be great." And then all of a sudden, it's like a it's like a 2019 playoff game where they're just calling every play and I was like, it was a whole different refereeing after the first like 20 minutes. You know, it's it, this is really funny. So I was texting my dad through the entirety of this game. Uh, shout out to Adrian Talbot, friend of the podcast. Uh, he is what friend up? of the podcast. Uh, he is a a referee who retired this past spring. Subsequently, because of COVID, he didn't get to have his victory lap in the spring season. Uh, he is a retired soccer referee of 15 years. Uh, we were we were texting throughout the entirety of this, and oh my gosh, did he ever have some stuff to say about the referee? So. Before we get too deep into it, we, we, we have times we're going to talk about the referee throughout the podcast, I'm sure. So I'm going to make uh, make like the center official and keep quiet for the time being. <laughs> Armando, I want to take a second and possibly disagree with you on, on, on the consistency of the refereeing because I would put to you that calling the game in such a fashion that is going to make the players play harder and riskier and more demonstratively when it comes to, you know flopping for a foul or whatever means that the fouls themselves are going to get harder throughout the game. So by the fact that he set up this really rough and tumble game in which many things are going to go uncalled, that's just going to escalate the the level of the foul throughout the game. And so, again, I'm not trying to support his refereeing in any way, but I'm saying that a lot of the cards that he issued later in the game were deserved. Oh, yeah. Yo, I'll... All I have to say is Draymond Green will always be Draymond Green. Dennis Rodman will always be Dennis Rodman, no matter how many ticky-tack calls they call. And podcast friends, if you don't know, I love me some NBA. Stay tuned. Well, none of this stuff was ticky-tack was the thing. I have in my notes at minute two, I said, ref is letting them play. Very chippy start. Worried if it continues like this, it's going to turn out into a brawl. And what happened? Exactly that. Brawl. It's true. So towards the end of the first half, we had a couple corners in quick succession and a couple real tests of Yarbrough, Colorado's goalie, and it felt like a tide turning for us. Do you all agree? Mm, No. 
I think, in my opinion, the, the referee, because of the way he was calling the game, in the sense of, like, he wouldn't call anything. The number of times players pulled up, both like both teams pulled up after what should have been a foul, killed the momentum of the game. Because, you know, they kind of stopped and they go, oh, oh, we're still playing, okay. And they kept going, so they were just kind of like going back and forth on each other, seeing what they could get away with, and subsequently there was, like, no flow in the game. It was almost the equivalent of, say... Uh, I'm going to pull this one out of my rear end. The 2019 Monday Night Football game against the Rams, it's the opposite of that, where the referees would call literally every single half infraction to get high off themselves, and that kills the momentum of the game. In this one, people couldn't set things up. Like, I would almost take fouls with set pieces overseeing who can get away, you know, with the harder tackle and, like, ankle breaker. I was very surprised that at the end of the first half, it was only 1-0. I was so afraid during the whole game. Jack Price came out with a ton of energy. Alan Acosta, obviously, great kick in the fifth minute. Um, and then Sanchez was making me really scared. Like, in the uh, in the uh, 13th minute, Sanchez went up for a ball to, like, knock it out of the air. But he just went, like, way out of his zone and made me incredibly, in, like, uncomfortable. And we really only had a few, like, shots on goal in that first half. So I feel like, to be very cliche, it was definitely a tale of two halves. That's fair enough. So in the second half, Gerso gets subbed in at the 54th minute, which, listen, for me, subbing in the 50s, that's huge. And really, uh, I I feel that Gerso always changes the game in terms of his pace and his, his, his motor immediately, which I really liked. So when we see these events in quick succession, the first couple little subs, Gerso for us, the Danny Wilson card that gets upgraded to a red in the 61st, and then finally a breakthrough in terms of our general like the move being put together with a with a beautiful sequence of Keena to Shelton for our first goal how controversial given the outcome of the game is that first VAR upgraded card on Wilson going to be uh it absolutely was a red card you know and and as i mentioned earlier the fact that the ref let him start playing so chippy it turned into this escalating snowball of players seeing what they could get away with, and it literally culminated in this guy rugby tackling our player right outside of the box. Because he said, guess what? I take this chance that I think he's not going to call a foul on this. Now, had he maybe like made contact looking at the ball, knocked them both over, I think the ref probably lets him play, maybe calls the yellow. But, dog, he straight up rugby tackled our guy right outside of the box. I was stunned that it was only a yellow. Now, the fact that he went to VAR and upgraded to a red, that was a makeup call for the forearm shiver at Zussi at the end of the first half. I can bet you dollars to donuts. The MLS league office was in the earpiece of the VAR at the end of the, like, in halftime saying, How on this green turf did you not? upgrade that forearm shiver to a red card i'm gonna go back to my dad real quick he texted me for a second shout out to phil watson friend of the podcast uh great referee he was like the sage of iowa referees back when my dad and i were doing it he said phil watson would have ripped my patch off for not calling a red on that the first time <laughs> adrian bringing that heat let's go dude i kind of want to get my dad on this podcast i mean he he was getting Absolutely. pretty hot man he was getting pretty hot no question. We'll, we'll do like an FA Cup final episode. Woo. 
y'all see Arsenal beat Man City to make it the final today? Really? Big. I got some bad news for him, though. My dad's a big fan of the colors of yellow and gold, so he's going to wind up being a Columbus Crew fan, probably. <laughs> yeah, Columbus Crew, like like Wolverhampton Wolves in England. Yeah. Or like Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> Get out of here. What were you saying, Kyle? Iowa Hawkeyes. So, <laughs> shortly thereafter, well, here's a question. How do we bestow friend of the podcast status? Because I would I would put Diego Rubio in a former friend of the podcast status because he played he played well for us during his tenure with Sporting Kansas City and he played hard and I liked him. But I see him as a former friend of the podcast given his on field actions in this past game, and yet he just gifted us a penalty in the seventieth minute. So do we get to call him a former friend of the podcast? Diego, Diego Rubio is your best friend from elementary school that winds up moving away with his parents, coming back when you're in like middle school, and suddenly he's way too cool for you. That's who Diego Rubio <laughs> is. So that was my immediate take on him. You could tell. He's like, I'm going to show these guys. You know, I'm, I'm from the Valley now. But I wonder, the fact that he gifted us that handball in the box – Maybe deep down he knows the error of his ways, and he bleeds <laughs> silver and blue, and he's like, guys, I gotcha. Because that was a boneheaded handball. Cauldron forever, baby. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, it seemed pretty unintentional to me. But Hot take Mondo, for, for me, he actually leans out and trying not to make a ball on play, and clearly his leg is going for the ball, and he's tucking his hand in, and you can even hear him in the game. He goes, he goes, well, well, how did you want me to 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 jump? And then he even like shows the ref. He's like hands behind the back. He was even tucked. So I actually feel bad for Rubio because I didn't think they should have called I'm- that. But oh well, stonks. I mean, I feel bad for him, too. I mean, that, that, that's why I called it a gift, because it really was a gift I, that I don't think he meant to give. But let's let's not take away from the fact that Alan Pulido, when push comes to shove in a game where he was basically just taken out of the equation by Colorado for the first 60-odd minutes of the game, you know, when crunch time came, he was icy. I love this guy. Oh, dude, th- that penalty shot he took... He gave, he broadcast the fact that he was going to put that in the left corner, but he didn't care. That loop he did coming into the ball was him showing off. That was him saying, you're going to know what's coming, I'm going to show what's coming, but there's going to be absolutely nothing you can do about it. I also hate that there's that there's no fans there because all the commentators would like, oh, what a great shot. But if there were fans and everything was going crazy, you would hear, Polito, goal! Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, that's that's just the clinical edge of these guys, you know, Sporting Kansas City opening the pocketbook for a guy like Alan Pulido, a guy who like made it in Liga MX, like that, who, who has been a great player internationally. Um, Best friend of the podcast. Absolutely. Alan Let's get him on the cast. Dude, I'd be so, so happy. <laughs> shortly thereafter. So we're all feeling good, right? Just putting us in the moment. We're feeling good. Times have been hard. T- times have been tough. The Minnesota United game is just PTSD in the back of our mind. Then, Colorado makes a sea change. Three subs. Jonathan Lewis for Namley, Kai Kamara for Rubio, Colin Warner for Acosta. I have to say, don't know who Colin Warner is. Apologies to you. Immediately thereafter, though... Brother of Kurt. Immediately thereafter, Jonathan Lewis commits a foul... And in the aftermath and in the jawing with the ref, Jack Price gets shown a straight red 
for, you know, verbal abuse of the ref. That puts Colorado to nine men. Puts them to nine. We never see that. Uh, so, I would just like to point out, pre, pre-kickoff, they're showing a picture of Mr. Jack Price. I wrote down in my notes, which is the headline header for my note column, Jack Price looks like if Daniel Radcliffe had a Hollywood breakdown, moved to the wilderness, wrote a manifesto, and then found a second life through soccer. Little did I know that at some point in this game, he would go Accio red card and get himself booted <laughs> from the game. <laughs> didn't didn't Daniel Radcliffe do a movie like that where he was in the wilderness? Yeah, it's uh, isn't that a Swiss Army Man? Jungle. Jungle oh. and Swiss Army Man are both like crazy Daniel Radcliffe like goes off the edges. Ooh, I'm looking at his past history. This is bad. Daniel Radcliffe did Guns. Oh, yeah, where, where he has guns for hands. What? Yeah. And then there's another one that it's Horns. I heard Imperium. Horns was interesting, actually. I heard that one's pretty what are all? What happened, Daniel Radcliffe? I mean, we like Dan Radcliffe. Dan Radcliffe is a friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast, Dan Radcliffe. Dan Radcliffe does interesting projects post, like, international fame. We love that. I'm going to stop you before we get to the one involving Kentucky Derby themes. Uh, so... To answer your question, I, from what I heard from the player talk, you know, just kind of like the mic'd up player talk, it sounds like he may have said the full F you to somebody, be it the ref, because they said dissent, or be it another player. But, I mean, he already he was already riding a yellow, wasn't he? No, that was just a straight up red. Yeah, straight it, it was just red. a straight red for verbal abuse of the ref. Which is also very careless, because now, I guess we're going to talk about the future after this, but you are you don't have Jack Price in your next game, and you're already 0-2. Like, what a, what a gift for us. And then he feels extra bad, because immediately after, we uh, Vermees puts Busio in for Kinda, as some might see this as, we can discuss it as kind of a late counter to Colorado's um, substitutions. But... Jonathan Lewis just makes a fool of our defense and scores an honestly great goal on the break. And suddenly, if you weren't two men down, you'd have a real chance to try to win the thing. I want to jump in. John Lewis beat four of our defenders, and then Sanchez plays up on the ball again like he's done in the past. Um, I don't want to make enemies of the podcast, but I'm going to boo Sanchez for a second day in a row. So let's do our honorary boo for Sanchez and for the Houston Astros. One, two, three. Boo. Come on, guys. We got the dub. I'm going to dissent that boo. We won the game. No, no. I I got nothing about your dissent here. So here's the deal. I ripped on Charvarius Ward and Bashad Breland (laughs) and Kendall Fuller, all of our cornerbacks at the beginning of this last Chiefs season because everyone's like, well, they're always in great position. They just always get perfect throws thrown on them where only the receiver can get it. No, don't give me that crap. At some point, it's your job to break up a pass. At some point, at every point as a goalie, it's your job to stop one. I don't care that both those stoppage time goals are kind of like buddling around. You stop one. I don't care that it was a really good angle on a really fire-out shot. You're a goalie. Stop that. I love Wound Up Reese. I love Wound Up Reese. I'm so torqued right now. No, and, and you know, I I almost feel bad. I, I honestly almost feel bad going off on Sanchez like this just because if Pulse Camp was the second stringer with COVID and he came in, that's very unfair to Sanchez. I'm so sorry. I will buy you a beer sometime. But the fact to me, 
I cannot tell you how boiling my blood was that we can be two men up on a gassed team and our defense is still so porous that they can allow a goal that late in the game. The only thing that I'll say about Sanchez is that Sanchez, even though he doesn't play very well, I think we all agree, he is incredibly confident on the field. He's like that like musical theater kid that nobody likes, yet he like still like dates all the like hottest girls on the like musical theater like musical. <laughs> it's a l- little bit of a deep cut there, my friend. Okay, so I got to ask then, guys. You saw the defenders raise up the hands. I definitely thought from the field cam that it was offsides. Do you think it was offsides on that last goal they scored? I don't think it was offsides, and I actually want to bring in a quote from Andy Edwards, friend of the podcast, who tweeted shortly thereafter, Wow, it's been such a long time until we saw multiple sporting defenders running back towards our own goal with their hands in the air as we got scored on. Or something like that, I paraphrase. I'm sorry, Andy. But he's got a point. That's on our defensive line to be prepared for the break. That's on us to not just play the call and not just try to set the offside trap and just let that be it. You got to set the offside trap and then also close down on the ball. It's just totally on us. And again, nothing away from Jonathan Lewis's finish, even though Sanchez probably played too far near post, possibly too far out on the ball. Lewis still had to put it home. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. That's unacceptable from our D. Just like you said, if we're playing the offside trap and all they want to do are raise their hands and kind of trot and be like, oh, what, sir, guess what? ARs, 99.9% of the time, are always going to be level with that second-to-last defender. I mean, like, right on him. If a guy is offsides, they're going to get that flag up so fast, you won't even believe it. So the fact that when the flag did not go up, they had so much time to close in. There were three of them. The fact they had no killer instinct to all just, like, dead sprint and close that angle to give them even less of a shot attempt, it tells me we're mentally soft. So I think it's safe to say that after that Jonathan Lewis goal, we're all just one step closer in Sporting Kansas City fandom to just hitting the panic button. It's just like, how does this happen? In the Minnesota United game, we put together a, a fairly excellent game for most of it and then we fall apart in this game we put together a pretty atrocious game and then through you know the benevolence of some calls going our way and through some improved play to be honest and some improved chemistry it seems like we're gonna be able to just put the hammer down and score a few goals and even get some goal differential out of this game and then suddenly with just one more defensive breakdown we're just back to square one and it's like okay are we just headed the same way we were last season, like Reese said last episode? But then, finally, we're up 11 men to 9. We get our goal at 90 plus 1 and just a weird deflection from Zussi that, Reese, I believe you said, is is just, you know, finally one of those goes our way. And it, you know, trickled in off of a deflection from a Colorado defender. The soccer god smiled upon us and said, you're welcome. And it just feels like a bailout from the cosmos, you know? Oh, it does. But let me tell you what. We were long overdue to get a stupid little pinball dink-doink own goal like that. Considering how many times those things have killed us in the last year and a half, I I will take this karma shot. Thank you. Fair enough. And also, Zussi becomes the second player in club history to have 100 goals and 100 assists. Dang. And also, was it not his 300th game yesterday? Correct? 
I didn't hear that stat, but it's very possible. I mean, Zeus, he's been here a long time, man. Yeah, I know. But, you know, you know I got to say, speaking of being here a long time, I have to give credit to the veteran leadership to be taking shots that late in the game. Not like trying to set yourself up or do one little extra pass or do one little extra juke move to clear the way, but just shooting. You can't put the ball in the goal if you don't project the ball towards the goal. Also, Reese, are we going to hear a public apology to Peter Vermees about his substitutions? I don't know why we would. Was there a substitution made in this game that really changed the tide of things? I actually like the way that he substituted this game. So in the 99th minute, he even made like three additional subs after that. And I just feel like this is exactly what we were missing in the first game where he had fresh legs and we had the ability to then make those goals post 90 minutes, right? Because last game, if we looked at the, the extra time, like, everyone was gassed but in this game like it was just there was a whole different motor and i personally attribute that to substitutions but if you didn't see it that way then no public apology for you mr vermes we still love fair you, enough armando i think it's more of a slow burn i like gerso in for russell early in the second half i like busio in for kinda later in the second half and then i like the late subs to take full utilization of our five possible subs we, we may as well use that rule you know because it's it's for the COVID era so we may as well do it you know what when you frame it that that way i do would take this chance to publicly apologize to peter vermes those when you when you paint the entire scope no, of the substitution don't take picture, his bait don't no. apologize when you, when you <laughs> don't take his bait i'm not gonna let you do this don't apologize i don't want peter vermes to not be a friend of the podcast and to hate us uh okay fine apologize if you must I would like to apologize, Peter Vermees, because from the from the scope of hearing how the substitutions went, those were good substitutions. And also the fact that Peter Vermees looks like Josh Brolin Cable from Deadpool 2, therefore he's a time traveler, he can correct his mistakes, and he is 100% certified USDA lean and mean. Thank you, Reese. Thank you for that. All right, let's talk some final stats here. It was totally worth it. You know that was totally worth it. 60-40 possession in favor of Kansas City, five to one corners in in, in favor of Kansas City. We love that. Uh, actually, fifteen to eleven fouls more called on Kansas City, which surprises me. I'm curious if you guys have any parting shots. Was this good? Was this a good game or a bad game? What was our biggest positive? Our biggest negative? What do you think? I'll jump in. I think Kyrie Sheldon is the real freaking deal. I love Kyrie Sheldon. His goal that he made was beautiful in the 64th minute. Uh, wonderful play by him. I really think there's a lot of good chemistry coming along with Kinda, with Pulido, uh, obviously with Kyrie Sheldon as well. I think the team's really coming together. I will also make a public apology because I said that I had no faith in Kansas City going into this game. So I will apologize because just like Reese had said, the veterans kicked in at the end and all these guys are really playing very well together. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, Sanchez then won't play game three, right? So now I'm feeling really real good yeah uh tickle me shocked that we had 60 40 possession because i didn't feel like we had all that much time with you know the one two-man advantage and you know just dinking and dunking it around because i mean in that first half it felt like colorado outpossessed us like 65 35 or 70 30 pretty easily right it was rough in the first half for sure oh yeah you know, one big negative I'm going to have to take out of this game, and I know Colorado was especially complaining about it because they lost, is the officiating. I mean, that was one of the most 
poorly officiated games in any sport at any level that I can remember watching in recent past. Uh, you know, like I said, from the second minute on, I wrote, refs letting this get chippy. You know, this is going to get real bad real fast. And I think if you want to point to the turning point apex of this match, it was when Zussi got forearm shivered at the end of the first half. There was absolutely no play on the ball. The guy had him beat. The only elbow I've ever seen worse than that was the Ron Artest James Harden elbow. <laughs> but even then, I wouldn't put this necessarily out of that realm. So what did you see from that point forward where that players were saying, I would rather take the shot straight up tackling this, I mean like football, wrapping myself tackling these guys, than try and make a play on the ball. If I get burnt, I'm just going to tackle them. This ref might not call it. And as we saw, it all came to the head in the second half. You know, VAR went back. They overturned that straight-up rugby tackle outside of the box and said, yeah, that's a red card. Uh, In my opinion, I think it was a red. It was at least as much of a red as Melia's red in the last game. So wherever you stand on that, I feel it was a pretty adjacent penalty. Later on, the descent. The descent comes from frustration. The frustration comes from lack of control in the game that the referee failed to execute. And you saw Kinda too. Kinda got that yellow card for taking out that dude's legs, but that was a retaliation shot for that forearm shiver on Zussi. This is how stuff goes, man. And uh, last thing I'll say about my dad is when the game was all over, he said, yo, <laughs> this game can be used as clinic film at the next conference for how not to referee a game and what happens when you don't state some semblance of control and set some precedent of what will be tolerated and not tolerated early on in a game. That's well said. Stonks. Yeah, after hearing all of your, the things that your dad, are say, dad is saying, Reese, I would love to have your, your uh, dad on the podcast, not only because of his takes, but to also see like where where your fire comes from and like how much it's like family-oriented. I would love to see all that, man. My dad's like the most mellow guy on the planet. That's what makes... I'm like his advocate right now. I'm speaking uh, for him through me. You know, it's a... Uh, I mean, but like, but like, you're also super mellow, but then when it comes to like stuff like this, the fire is ignited. Well, I, I was very passionate about this game. This game made me feel a lot of things, not necessarily a lot of good things on either side. But as I was getting to, Colorado doesn't have any place to complain. Their reds were reds. I don't think we had a foul all game that would constitute a red card. And I think I sent this text to multiple people watching the game with me throughout the span of 90 minutes was that this game is poorly officiated both ways. Not, oh my gosh, we're getting screwed because the ref won't call anything, but this game is poorly officiated both ways. Well, I can't sum it up any better than that, Reese. I want to look ahead a little bit to our last group stage match. It's at 9 a.m. local time, 9 a.m. Florida time on Wednesday against Real Salt Lake. And our table going into this match is RSL uh, with four points and a plus two goal differential, Minnesota with four points and a plus two goal differential, then us in third at three points and a zero goal differential, and then Colorado at zero points and a negative three goal differential. Now... It's going to take just an epic collapse for us to just get knocked out to just for us to be in fourth place, right? It's going to take Colorado winning by four goals. However, our standings in the wild card are technically not set in stone, although, again, it would take just a crazy set of circumstances for us to just get straight up knocked out of the tournament. So for me, the goal of Wednesday's game is to play well, to win, 
and to get our chemistry on point for whatever game we have in the single elimination tournament coming up. I agree. The way you described it, uh, we are comfortably at the top of the third place teams that will advance. Uh, We are comfortably in third place in our own pool, and a tie against Real Salt Lake shouldn't be that crazy. This would take, dare I say, a United States men's national team versus Trinidad and Tobago level of collapse for us not to advance. So That hurts that you would bring that up. I, that hurts. I am knocking on every piece of wood I can find in front of me, hoping that's not what happens. But compared to where I was at the end of the first match to where I am now, I believe we should qualify. Don't lose even by one goal to make this more complicated than it needs to be, boys. But I would like to believe we will advance out of our group at the very least in third place. All right. Melia's back. Pulido. Sheldon are playing amazing. Kinda's playing amazing. Jursa also we haven't talked about today. Played very well as well. I talked about him. I say we at least tie with Real Salt Lake. And I say we're going to advance. I love the chemistry. I love the momentum. I love the physicality. I love the speed. And I love the veteran leadership from Zussi. We going to tie, baby. Let's go. At least tie. I'm going to go ahead and predict that we beat Real Salt Lake 2-0. And that we advance out of our group in at least second place. Possibly first. Now I have to ask, did you guys watch any of the Minnesota United Real Salt Lake game last night? I sure did. You know, I couldn't. I had to pass out because I had to work uh, at the coffee shop super early this morning. I saw it was a 0-0 draw. What were your takes of that game really quick? Basically, it was a very even match, both in terms of statistics, but also in terms of goal-scoring opportunities for each side, right? Each side had really clear and present chances to score on goal. Each side had a couple great saves from their goalies. Most particularly, I I was impressed by a couple pretty spectacular chances by Minnesota um, that weren't capitalized upon for one reason or another. But, I mean, more or less, I think the bottom line is we saw a group of death group matchup, right? We we saw two teams play each other where it was a coin flip. And uh, you could make that argument about any of the four teams in this group. I don't necessarily agree with that, as we've talked about in previous episodes. But nevertheless, I mean, people are going to be going into this game against Real Salt Lake saying this might be a coin flip for us. I don't see it that way. I think we need to go in there, score two goals, get the shutout with Melia back in goal, move on to the knockout round. Reese has taught me to bet the under. I'm going to go 1-1 one, one tie. Um, I've taught myself not to trust any sort of lead we have, or regardless of how many more men we have on the field. So I will also hope for a 1-1 one, one tie. Well, I guess we'll see. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fountain City Sports Media. And special thanks to our newly minted fans and newly minted friends of the podcast. We all appreciate you. I want to give a special shout out to Kansas City Band's Carswell and Hope for our introductory musical material and Like a Tiger for our outro musical material. Please go check out their stuff. Uh, I want to say that we're now officially on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Also, go check us out on Patreon. Patreon, Patreon, I always pronounce it wrong. It's a whole thing. I'm very sorry. And uh, be sure to tune in to Sporting KC's game at 8 a.m. Central Time on Wednesday or wherever you happen to live. And we will see you for our reaction episode. Take care.